But firstly, let me read scripture. If you have a Bible, you're aware we're going through 2 Timothy. We're in 2 Timothy 3 this morning, and we're going to start at verse 10. So 2 Timothy 3, verse 10, as we read God's word together. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and at verse 10. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while even men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of, because you know those whom you've learned it from, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen. Amen. Okay, if you have a Bible handy, let's open God's Word. It's 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verses 10 to 17. We're working our way through this little book. And the title of the study this morning, there it is on the screen, The Impact of a Godly Role Model. The Impact of a Godly Role Model. In Irish society today, there's a desperate shortage of godly role models. When our young people, when the generation that's coming behind you and I look for role models, where do they look to? Many of them look to the world of sport. Many of them look to the rich and famous in Hollywood. And yet more and more we're discovering that behind the lifestyles of many of those people are lifestyles that are contradictory to the teaching of God's word. And what the next generation is crying out for, what the next generation in Ireland desperately needs is good and godly role models. As we continue our journey through the book of 2 Timothy, we discover today that Timothy was blessed with powerful role models in his life. In fact, the verses that we're going to unpack this morning talk about the impact of some of these role models in Timothy's life. Look at these words that'll come up on the screen. In 2 Timothy 3, 10 to 17, we see the impact of Paul, Eunice, and Lois as role models in Timothy's life. Let's explore this a little bit. Let's open up this passage a little bit and see the impact of certain role models on young Timothy's life. Here's the first point I want you to see. Point A, Timothy, Paul walked the talk. Paul walked the talk. Look what he says in verse 10. You, however, Paul writing to Timothy, you, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance. Now, I want you to see something there in verse 10, that if we just skim through this passage, initially we can miss it. Paul is doing something very significant in verse 10. Paul is making a definite contrast in verse 10. 
a definite contrast between his own faithful Christ-honoring ministry and the counterfeit ministry of the people that we talked about in our last study in 2 Timothy 3, verse 1 to 9. The men described in the opening nine verses of this chapter, what were they? We saw last time they were lovers of themselves. And their disciples replicated that. Their disciples were also lovers of themselves as well. And yet Paul is saying, but Timothy, hang on a wee moment. Don't be like these guys. But in contrast, Timothy, be like me. The ESV of verse 10 goes like this. You, whoever, have followed my teaching and my conduct. And the commentators tell us behind that word followed is a picture that was used back in the first century of a master and a pupil, a teacher and a pupil. And what did the pupil do? The pupil followed in his or her master's footsteps. It literally means to follow somebody around. It literally means to follow in somebody's footsteps. Now, we've all seen we boys do this. If your dad's a farmer, what do you do when you're so small, you get the wee boiler suit. You go out with your dad around the farm and you do what your dad does around the farm. You literally follow in your dad's footsteps. Paul was the spiritual father. Timothy was the spiritual son. And Timothy was following in Paul's footsteps. Do you know the challenge to me today and the challenge to you today is simply this. If somebody followed us around, if somebody followed in our footsteps in this incoming week, would that bring them to Jesus? Are you, am I, a person who walks the talk? But I want us to see something else in verse 10. Let me read to you verse 10 in the, in the Greek language, in the original language. It should go like this. The little word my should be repeated. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my love, my endurance. In the original, the little word my is there before every one of those nouns. In other words, what did Paul do? Paul taught it. And he lived it. He preached it. And he lived it out. Paul preached it and lived it. Paul talked it and walked it. And Paul, astonishingly, when he was writing to the believers in the church at Corinth, listen to what he says. Listen to this staggering verse of Scripture. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ Jesus. Do you know, talk is cheap today. But walking the talk is where the rubber hits the road of the credibility of my Christian profession. Can we say to people, follow me as I follow Jesus Christ? That was one of the reasons why Timothy was impacted so much by Paul's life. He was the genuine article. He was the real thing. He walked the talk. 
Here's another reason. Look at point B. Paul was consistently consistent. He was consistently consistent. Go to the next verse, 2 Timothy 3, verse 11. Look what it says. It starts with the word persecutions, sufferings. What kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Here's the irony. Don't miss this. Before Paul was converted on the road to Damascus, what was he? He was a persecutor of Christians. After he met the Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus, what happened to him? He was persecuted for his allegiance to Jesus Christ. Just listen to what Paul went through. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three. I worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. He says, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. And I spent a night and a day in the open sea. And through it all, what was he? Consistently. Consistent. But notice what else he says in verse 11. He talks about the kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. Here was one of his missionary journeys. Let me give you a quick resume of what happened in those three cities. Acts 13 verse 50, Antioch. Paul was driven out of Antioch through intense persecution along with Barnabas. Acts 14 verses 5 and 6, Paul was stoned in Iconium. Lystra, Acts 14, verse 19. Paul was dragged out of the city and left for dead after the people stoned him. Here was a guy who had every right to say, listen, and he said it humbly, but I was consistently consistent. When the sun shone, Paul was consistently consistent. In those days, boy, he got it hard for his allegiance to Jesus Christ. He was consistently consistent. That's why he says in verse 12, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You know, the godly always arouse the antagonism of this world. No genuine believer gets a free pass. Hear me this morning. No genuine believer gets a free pass. No genuine believer is going to get to heaven without some level of opposition from this world, some manner of suffering because of our allegiance to him. They will ridicule us. They'll publicly embarrass us. They will become the butt of repeated jokes of this world. But hang on. No servant is any better than his master. Do you remember what Jesus said in John 15, 18? If the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. And remember, the guy that's writing these words is in prison. He's in prison because of his allegiance to Jesus Christ. He was consistently consistent. Here's the third thing, a point C. Eunice and Lois knew the value of Scripture. They knew the value of the Scriptures. Look what Paul goes on to say to young Timothy. How from in, verse 15, how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. 
Timothy's grandmother was a lady called Lois. His mom was a lady called Eunice. And what had they done when Timothy was just a wee boy? Just so small. From infancy they had taught him the Scriptures. And the Scriptures had made an impact on Timothy's life. That's why in verse 16, Paul goes on to say, All Scripture is God-breathed. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. If we want to be authentic role models for Jesus, we need to expose our lives. I need to expose my life daily. You need to expose your life daily to the unchanging truths of God's Word. God's Word tells us what is right, that's teaching. It tells us what is wrong, that's rebuking. It tells us how to get right, that's correcting. And it tells us how to stay right, that's training in righteousness. In a nutshell, Paul's message to Timothy is, Timothy, the days are going to get dark. Timothy, I'll soon depart to be with the Lord. But Timothy, the mantle will be over to you. It will be your turn to carry on the responsibilities of gospel ministry. But Timothy, remember the authentic role models in your life. And you in turn be a role model. Let me apply all this. Look at point number two. And this is where it gets very uncomfortable for me and for you. There's no such thing as a person without influence. Therefore, we are all role models, either good or bad. You're a person of influence. And I'm a person of influence. Somebody's looking up to you. And somebody is looking up to me. Three points of application. Here's the first one. Thank God for the influence of godly mums. Thank God for the influence of godly mums. If you're in 2 Timothy 3, go back to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and look at verse 5. Paul is saying to Timothy, 2 Timothy 1 verse 5, I've been reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and I'm persuaded now lives in you. Timothy was blessed to have a mum called Eunice who loved Jesus. Timothy was blessed to have a grandmother called Lois who loved Jesus. I wonder in Ireland today, and I'm saying this personally because I look at my family and I look at the need in our wider family circle. But I wonder, here's my question, and this is heartbreaking. This makes me feel very uncomfortable. How many children in Ireland in 2022 can say, from infancy I've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make me wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ? That's searching, isn't it? But maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, well, that's okay. That was okay for Paul and Timothy. But you know, they weren't facing what I'm facing. Let me tell you, if you're a Christian mum here 
and you're bringing your children up for Jesus solo. By that I mean your husband is not yet a Christian. I applaud you with all of my heart because you are doing one of the, or the most important job in the world. That's what Eunice did. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Acts 16 verse 1, Paul came to Derb and there then Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. Get it? Timothy's mom, Lois, was a believer. Timothy's dad, we don't know his name, wasn't a believer. What did Eunice do? Did she say, this is an awful scenario? I can't do anything to influence my wee guy for Jesus until my husband gets saved. No, she didn't. From infancy, she taught Timothy the scriptures. Christian mums, I say it again, I applaud you. If you're bringing up Jesus solo, bringing up your kids solo for Jesus, I applaud the job you're doing. I admire what you're doing so much. Be encouraged. Keep on keeping on. Many years ago, there was an evangelist. He was certainly unconventional. I think he'd be driven out of many churches in Ireland today, but he was called Gypsy Smith. And at one of his evangelistic missions that he had, a lady got converted and at a later stage, she wrote a letter to Gypsy Smith and the letter went like this. She wrote to him and said, thank you for what you preached that night at the mission. I became a Christian. But I believe the Lord has called me to be a preacher, Brother Smith. But the trouble is, I've got 12 children to raise. What shall I do? And Brother Smith, or Gypsy Smith, answered, I'm so glad to hear that you became a Christian. But I'm also delighted to hear that God has already given you a congregation of 12. It doesn't matter how big, how small your congregation is. Sure it doesn't. But they need Jesus. And godly mums, I was blessed with one, godly mums, I thank God for you. You're doing the most important job in the world, raising kids for Jesus. Here's the second thing by way of application. Point B, Christian parents need to remember if your Christianity doesn't work at home, it doesn't work at all. Wow. That's challenging, isn't it? Somebody has said, a child's mind is like wet cement. Write on it and you'll mark it forever. Listen, why are we letting the world take the first shot at our children? Parents, do you know? Your kids are a wee bit older, they've got a phone. Do you know what they're looking at on Facebook? Do you monitor that? Do you monitor their use of the internet? Do you monitor what they watch on TV? I'm not talking about being legalistic. I'm talking about doing something because you love your kids to bits and you want God's truth to impact their lives before the world gets hold of them. Proverbs 22 verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. If your Christianity doesn't work at home, doesn't work at all. That searches me. Does that not search you as well? 
Let me give you 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1 again. I quoted it in the NIV. Let me quote it in another translation. Paul says to the believers in Corinth, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. Can I turn to my children and say, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ? Can I do that with my grandchildren? Can you do that with your children? or your grandchildren. Here's the third thing. Christ is the supreme role model for all believers to look up to. I was reading through recently Acts and it came to chapter 4 and there was Peter and John. They were hauled before the Sanhedrin. 70 top theologians of the day, so to speak. And they were being interrogated by these uh, theologians, so to speak. And yet here is what the Sanhedrin, here was how they viewed Peter and John. Listen to Acts 4.13. Now when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I wonder, did they scratch their heads? Did they listen to Peter and John preach the resurrection? They told them, stop preaching the resurrection. What did these guys do? They kept on preaching the resurrection in Jesus Christ. I wonder, did they stand back and say, listen, hang on. What makes these guys tick spiritually? And what was it? They had been with Jesus In fact, the more I read Acts chapter 4, the more I'm convinced that Peter and John didn't claim that for themselves. The Sanhedrin came to that conclusion that they had been with Jesus. What we need today is an undeniable something, an undeniable something that only comes when we have been with Jesus. I want to ask you, are you concerned as a Christian to be a role model? And if we're going to be role models, if we're going to see the next generation touched by the reality of the salvation of Jesus, then we need to be with Jesus. No higher compliment could be paid to any Christian. You have been with Jesus. Being with Jesus brings to us an undeniable something. I can't put it in any other words rather than an undeniable something. You know Christians like that. I know Christians like that. They've just got, whether you call it a touch of God or something, a sense of the presence of God, but they've been with Jesus and they've got an undeniable something. And it's Christians like that who are the role models that I want to point my children to and my grandchildren too, and our young people in Kilkenny Presbyterian Church too, and say, in God's grace, endeavor to be like them. The impact, the impact of godly role models. Have we been with Jesus? If we've been with Jesus, It will have an impact. There'll be an undeniable something. They took note. 
that these men had been with Jesus. I want a dose of that, don't you? Being with Jesus, it makes a mark, it brings reality, and it will touch the next generation who desperately need authentic, godly role models.